Well, it's been a joy worshiping together. Uh, thank you for your leadership, Adam. I want to tell you about a man named Ron Mayfield. He lived in Roanoke, Virginia. He was a middle school teacher there. One morning before school started, he went out over a bridge, uh, on a bridge over a river. It was a river where his father had taught him to fish. It was a river where he taught his son to fish. It had a special meaning to him. He stood on the bridge and he thought about the school beginning at Woodrow Wilson Middle School just down the road. He picked up his cell phone. He dialed 911. He set the cell phone down. He stepped over the bridge and threw his body into the waters below. They found his body a few hours later. Ron killed himself. He took his life not because he had done anything wrong, but because one of the students had accused him of doing something wrong. The student had accused him of doing something wrong, and what he didn't know is that the police had already cleared him of the crime. They simply said there was no evidence. But it took a couple of years for that to happen. And during that time, he was completely alone. He was completely isolated. And all anyone knew was that words had been spoken against him. Words of assault. <clears throat> words that he was a terrible person. His lifetime that proved otherwise became meaningless. The school suspended him because of their policy. And Ron said, I just can't go on like this. He left a note in his Bible and left his Bible on the seat of his car, which he parked in a proper parking spot because that was the kind of person he was. It was just words. One of the most ridiculous things we teach children is that little poem, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words can destroy your life. Words can build up and, and words can tear down. This summer we've been studying the words of a person who is proclaimed as the wisest man who's ever lived, Solomon. His writings in the book of Proverbs. We're going to look today in Proverbs, we're going to look at uh, chapter 15. We're going to look at several verses that talk about words. We use them lightly. We speak them freely. And in this day and age, uh, we publish them online <laughs> way too much. <laughs> I want to begin with the uh, simple phrase from verse 1 of Proverbs 15 of uh, them's fighting words. Solomon said, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentle and harsh, wrath and anger. If a gentle word can turn away wrath, why don't we use gentle words and turn away wrath? But we've all been in those conversations where things just escalate and escalate and escalate and, and the words get harsher and harsher and, and the next thing you know, somebody's swung a fist at somebody or thrown a book or stormed out of the room cursing. Or we could follow the advice of the Word of God and speak gentle words. Words of life, words of meaning, words that, that help. Or we can speak harsh words. Some people are famous for speaking harsh words. Some people are famous for stirring up problems. 
heard someone say years ago, if, if you have a problem with Bob and Mary, and then later you have a problem with Bob and Stephen, and later you have a problem with Bob and Ralph, take a look at Bob. And, and we all have people in our life, and they're the kind of people that they never have the gentle word that turns away wrath. They never calm the situation. They're always the person who's stirring things up and creating problems and speaking those harsh words that stir up anger. And we need to do two things with this bit of knowledge. One, we need to avoid the people that always stir up anger. And the second one is, oh my goodness, we need to make sure that we're not that person. That we're not the person that everybody says, well, yeah, but you know, how, how do we need to speak around this person? Or yeah, but you know, if they're there, it's going to change everything. Whether it's within family or church or business or neighborhood, or they're just those people that always cause the problems with the words that they speak. Let's never be those people. As Christians, let's be the people that speak the gentle words that calm things down, that make things better. Well, that's the them fighting words. And then we come to, you want to know what I think? By the way, the answer to that question is always no. All right. Anytime you're in a conversation, you, well, you want to know what I think about that? They're not going to say it because they're more polite than you. But the answer is no. No, we really don't care about every opinion out there. Uh, Solomon said this way. He said, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Gushes folly. When I think of that, I, I, think of a, I think of a noisy river, maybe the, the mouth of the river and the, and the waters are coming out and it's just gushing out. And if you, get, if you even get near it, you're going to get wet. And there are some people, if you even get near them, you're going to hear foolish words, not wise words. The mouth of the fool gushes folly. We speak way too many words these days. And we can speak them so easily. I'm about to make a statement, and, and you're not going to hear this often, so you want to know a good thing about Facebook? <laughs> There's not a lot, but it has allowed me to stay connected with people that I've known in various parts of the U.S. So <clears throat> I wander into those waters, and Here's the good thing about Facebook. On any post that pops up, and any of your Facebook friends, there, there are little dots in the upper right-hand corner of anything they post, and you can click it, and you can send that person away for 30 days. They call it snooze. You can snooze them for 30 days. I love that feature. And any time there's an election going on, I use it freely. It's like, you're gone. I don't have to listen. I don't have to. Wouldn't it be great if, if we as humans had like a little button on our shoulder and people could just walk up like, you know, they're going to give us a little side hug or something. And click, click. You wouldn't see that person for 30 days. I mean, wouldn't life be better? And aren't you thinking of all the people you just, and after this service is over, please don't take it personally. If somebody taps you on the shoulder, they may just be being friendly. They may not be actually remembering this. Or maybe they are. We need to evaluate how much we talk. You want to know what I think? No. No. Let's just have a calm conversation. The tongue of the wise 
adorns knowledge. Uh, This next one is in verse 4, and it's it's not uh, them's fighting words, or you want to know what I think. It's, well, that's what I heard anyway. Verse 4, Solomon said, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but the perverse tongue crushes the spirit. The perverse tongue. The, the perverse tongue is the deceitful tongue. The, the tongue that takes that which has an element of truth and, and twists it. So that behind the truth are hiding the lies. And it perverts that which is true into that which is a lie. And, and so Ron Mayfield's student at the middle school did a perversion of the truth. And the fact is they didn't like him. They didn't want to be around him. So they felt uncomfortable. So they turned it into something perverse. The perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And it crushed his spirit. But the soothing tongue is a tree of life. I think one of the things that that we need to do as Christians as we guard our words is we need to be people who pay attention to the words we're speaking and pay attention to the words that others are speaking. And we need to advocate for soothing words that calm life around us. I think about how Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount began by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the, and and he began by calming people's spirits and by giving them a good word of blessing and by helping them. So many times we, instead of doing that, we, in trying to take a stand for that which is right, begin doing that which is wrong. I had a man come to my office uh, years ago. I was pastoring in, in central Texas. And he came in and he was all upset because this other church in town was teaching something that just wasn't true. And and he was convinced that they were teaching something that's not true. And he was really upset about it. And it was heresy and it shouldn't be going on. And as a Christian, he had to stand up for that, which is right. And he just just vented all over the place. And and, and words were gushing from his mouth. That's, That's always a sign, okay? And I just looked at him and I said, when he calmed down, I said, do you believe that's true? He was talking about an old established church that had a great history of wonderful work with people in the community. And so I just said, do you believe that's true? And he said, well, I, I heard it from a reliable source. And he starts talking about the person that, that told it to him. And, and, and when he winds down again, I said, do you believe that what you're saying about this church is true. And he began telling me how he had heard it from uh, the reliable source and that it fit with other things that, that he believed to be true about the church. And, and, and that church gave to a group that he didn't approve of. And if they're going to do that, then they're going to do all kinds. Of, and he just went on. And, and, and when he calmed down, I said, do you believe that that's true? And then he went on to how long he had known the person who told him this bad thing about this church. And when he wound down again, I said, do you believe that what you're saying is true? And Bob just sat there, he was in a chair right by my desk. 
And he just got up and walked out of my office. <laughs> the end of the gushing, he didn't say, he just got up and walked out. And I thought, well, I've lost friend. <laughs> I don't, what do you do? He just left. It was two, three hours later, my phone rang. And it was Bob. And he said, hey, I just want you to know that, I, and, he, and he starts talking like, like we're still friends. <laughs> and I said, you just got up and walked out of my office. He said, yeah, I heard what you said. And I thought, I need to go find out if this is true. And I thought, I wish you'd said that, you know, when you, when you got up and left, you, you just said, great advice. I'm going to get, no, he just walked out. So he calls me and I said, I said, so what did you do? And he said, I went to the church, the church he was accusing of teaching heresy. And he said, I just walked in and I said, is there any staff member here? And he said, their, their teaching pastor was there. And he said, I walked in and he starts telling me, he said, here's what they're doing and here's how it got distorted and here's what my reliable source heard and here's why they said what they did and, and that is a great church and they're doing wonderful things and I have nothing against them. And I thought, why didn't you start there? Instead of, instead of coming to the pastor of a third church and because this guy wasn't even a member of my church, uh, we just knew each other and he came to me and why would you do that? Why do we do that? Why are we so quick to believe that which is bad about other people? Some people say we're quick to believe that which is bad about others because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And, and we may know that like our church isn't perfect or I'm not perfect or my marriage isn't perfect, but at least we're not. So, and, and, and we like to condemn others because of that. I don't know. I've gotten to where I really don't need to know why I do the sin that I do. I just need to quit doing the sin. I don't need to evaluate it. I just need to repent and I need to change and I need to live the kind of life that this book calls me to live. And this book calls us to guard our words and to watch them carefully so that we're not gushing folly and we're not saying things that are perverse and things that are untrue. We have to be careful about our words. Well, that's what I heard anyway. Don't pass that on. This next one's down in verse 23, and the, the modern translation is, you know what I should have said? I should have said, have you ever had a time where you were in a conversation and, and later you think of the perfect response? Uh, I, I was rehearsing one this week. It was a great response to a conversation I had almost 15 years ago. It's time to move on. But I've got such a great answer now, and I didn't have it then. Solomon said this in verse 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word. Yeah, it is good when we think of the right thing to say at the right time. And it does bring us joy in that rare time where we think of it in time to say it in the actual conversation. And this is just a statement about how we speak. One of the great things about Proverbs and why we're spending the summer here is it's just such a great book of general observations that are true. 
And in the midst of a world where so many words are spoken and so many untrue things are said, it's just great to be able to come into the written Word of God and to rest and to know this is true. These Proverbs are true. This isn't a collection of promises. It's a collection of Proverbs. Just great little sayings that can help us live our life every day. Okay, where was I? Uh, that's the next problem statement. Okay, where was I? Okay, where was I is what we say when we're talking and somebody else is talking and we pretend we're having a conversation, but in reality we're having two monologues. So I'm saying to you whatever it is I want to say, and then when I finally quit, then you say to me whatever it is you want to say, and I'm not listening to what you're saying because I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. And you're telling your story, and I can't wait for you to finish because I want to tell you my story. And Solomon said this about that kind of attitude toward words. He says, The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. It says, I'm thinking about saying this. I wonder if I should. If I put this on a set of scales, would it tilt toward the good side or the bad side? My mom had a set of scales with, you know, the actual chains hanging down the little basket. And, and she had plastic grapes in them. And I remember this well because my job at our house was dusting. And I had to dust the plastic grapes in the scales. And, and, and when I would dust them, the scales would, would move. And, and they actually worked. The side that had more you know, uh, plastic grapes was lower than the other one. You could tell which had, the, had more value, more weight, more meaning. And Solomon is saying, before you say it, weigh it. Is this worth saying? No. Do they care? No. Should they care? Irrelevant. It's their opinion, not yours. Do you remember the really old days pre-internet where newspapers ran classified ads? And, and you were charged by the word for things that you put in the ad. And so people came up with all kinds of shorthand. It was like the original texting back when we had the flip phone. Some of you may still have that, I'm sorry. And, and it just took so long to type anything out. We came up with all these little abbreviations, all these little acronyms, because every letter cost you something to punch in. Every letter cost you something to put in the classified ad. Solomon's saying, treat every word as if it cost you something. Weigh it. Decide. Is this worth saying? If we don't, he says, we'll end up gushing evil. Uh, many years ago, my, my wife and I had been married, uh, I don't know, less than 10 years. And we went on this marriage retreat with our church. I don't remember a, a lot about it. I've never really been excited about those kinds of things, honestly. Like most men, it's, you know, you go to the marriage retreat so that your marriage doesn't come apart, not because, you know, you're really there to learn. And we had this session, we were all sitting around, and, and the leader 
It was just stirring up trouble. You know, tell us something. This is a safe place. No, it's not. It's a safe place. You know, tell us something you change about your spouse. And, and the only correct answer is nothing. You know, they're, they're perfect. Uh, you know, you weigh whether, you know, which lie you need to tell. I mean, I shouldn't say that from the pulpit. But. So we're going around. It's like, you know, is there anything? And, and I remember that Jim spoke up. And I'm still in touch with Jim. This was 30 plus years ago. Uh, but, you know, because of Facebook, we're still friends. And Jim spoke up and, and he said, well, he said, sometimes let's call his wife Janice because that's her name. And he said, he said, sometimes something will come up at, at dinner. He said, like the other night, we were talking about uh, where to go for the holidays. And, and I said something about I wasn't sure that we should go to her family on that day and he said she started in and she started telling me why we should be with her family for the holidays and she did it all through dinner she did it while we were cleaning up she did it after we were cleaning up she went for nearly two hours and I didn't say a word and for two hours she just told me how wrong I was well okay and when he finished I mean, really, two hours, like anybody really does that. So the, the guy leading the group, he looked at Janice, and it's like, you know, you've got to give her a chance to, you know, defend herself. And he said, Janice, would you like to respond? And, and she said, no, that's about right. Wow, I know. All of us that were at that marriage retreat, all the guys... Our marriage just became so much better because we all became so deeply grateful that we were not married to Janice. It was like any frustrations we'd had, they just went away. It was like, wow, well, you don't do that. You're pretty great. And, and when I read this verse about gushing evil and, and the verse earlier that we read in verse two of gushing folly. And I thought about his description of her just gushing all these words and all these words and all these words. Why would you do that? Solomon says, it's not the way we should live our lives. We have to be careful with the words. We have to weigh them because words are, words are kind of like bricks. They can that can be used to build something really good or they can be used to destroy. You can take bricks and, and you can throw bricks at a building you can break out all the glass and you can start destroying the structure or you could take the same brick and, and you could actually build a cathedral to the glory of God. It's, it's what you do with those bricks, with those words that really matters. Years ago, I was... Uh, I was at a camp and I was leading a, a seminar on leading children in worship. And I had a really small group and we were out in this, like this little picnic area and, and there were like 12, 15 uh, teenagers that were there. And many of them worked with the kids at their churches back home. So I thought, well, for one session, I'll teach a session on, on how to read a book to children because there are a lot of great uh, children's books out there that help in church work. And sometimes we read them to groups. So let's, you know, I'll just do a little 
a quick seminar on, on how to do that well. So we met and I you know, said, you know, here's some resources, here's some books. And we talked about them and talked about, you know, how to do that with kids. And then I wanted to do an actual little case study. So I said, I need somebody to come up and read the book as if you're reading it to children and then we'll evaluate you. And this kid, oh, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Okay. So this guy comes up and he takes the book and he reads through this children's book. And I told everybody, we're going to evaluate, so you know, feel free to take notes. And man, they're writing down. And, and, and he's reading this book. And I remember thinking, maybe you could, but I have never heard anyone do a worse job reading a children's book than this kid did. It was just terrible. I, it was embarrassingly bad. He had volunteered. Usually when people volunteer, it's because, you know, oh, that's, that's in my wheelhouse. I'll do that. That was not the case with this kid. And I'm sitting there thinking, what are we going to do? Well, he finishes and I get up and I say, okay, thanks. <laughs> Have a seat. <laughs> And I look out, and boy, were they ready to evaluate. Everybody had taken a lot of notes, and they were ready to tell him how he could have done it better. And, and honestly, we could, have, we could have been there for hours working on that. But I got up and I said, okay, he's finished the book. Thank you for doing that. We're going to list everything that he did right. I'm thinking, and we're going to get out early. <laughs> but we had bricks, and we could either throw them or we could use them to build them up. And I waited, and folks, I'm telling you, I had to wait a long time. I said, what did he do right? And we just sat there. And they looked at me in disbelief because they assumed we were going to criticize him. And finally, a kid from the back row he said, he pronounced all the words correctly. <laughs> yeah. He was reading a children's book. It was all single syllable words, you know, like duck and pond and fish. And was, but he had gotten them all right. I mean, we, we had to give him that. So we gave him that. And, and it was, I, I, honestly, yeah, I hadn't even noticed that. And when the person said that, I thought, like, yes, great, yeah. yeah, he did, he pronounced all the words right. You did, you pronounced the words right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody else. It, again, there were like 12 or 15 of us, so I mean, like we were right here. And one person said, I could hear him, he spoke loudly enough. Well, you could have whispered in that group, but still, let's give him credit. So we said, yeah. He spoke loudly enough. And I look over and this kid's like, yeah, I pronounced the words and I spoke loudly enough. And then somebody said, well, he, he seemed happy doing it. He smiled the whole time. He did. And then we talked about how your own presentation matters and it's going to help the boys and girls learn about Jesus if you're excited about it. And we went down that route. By the time we finished, that kid's sitting there and he's wearing a t-shirt, but if it had had buttons, they would have all popped off because he was just so proud that he'd done such a great job reading that book and he hadn't done a great job reading the book. But we decided that day to build him up instead of tearing him down. 
to use our words for good instead of using them for evil. That was more than 40 years ago. I wonder where that kid is now. He's in his mid-50s somewhere. wonder if he still reads books. wonder if he's reading to his grandchildren. And I wonder if when he does, if he remembers that day that everyone told him what a great reader of books he was. This matters. And it matters not just in terms of pop psychology or making people feel good about themselves. It matters in this way. Jesus said, I tell you that everyone will give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Judgment Day is not a day where we're going to have to give a lot of answers. Judgment Day is a day when God's simply going to say, here's how well you did or didn't do with your life. And Jesus has told us that one of the things God is going to look closely at, and it will either condemn us or acquit us, is the words that we spoke. It's Matthew 12, 36 through 37. And if we believe that one day we're going to stand before God and give an account for every word that we've spoken, today would be a good day to start measuring our words. We're going to celebrate communion together. Because whenever we come together, we have the chance to remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And when we come together, there are times where the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin in our life. And we want to give you a chance as you grow in your relationship with Jesus to confess that sin today. And maybe as we've been talking today, you've remembered some times where you've gushed out some words and you've hurt some people. And you wish you could take them back, but you can't. And you know that. Or maybe as I read the verse about uh, words being used to judge us, our words being used to judge us. There was a bit of a cringe inside because you've spoken some words that you shouldn't have spoken. We're going to give you the chance in just a moment to confess. And to simply say, God, I've, I've done that. And I don't want to be condemned for those words. I want to be forgiven. I want to know that this broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ have covered my sins. And so now we're going to speak a prayer of confession. And when that's over, I want to invite you to get up from where you're seated, come to the table and get the bread and the juice. You're in a little sealed container here together. And go back to your seat. And as soon as you return to your seat, Go ahead and peel back the top layer and partake of the bread and remember the broken body of Jesus and then open the juice and drink that and remember that the blood of Jesus Christ covers us from all of our sins. So let's speak together this prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. 
We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.